You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello there, welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedian's Comedian podcast in which I take your favourite comedians one at a time and find out exactly what makes them tick and learn all about their creativity, their resilience, their development, their creative processes and all of that kind of stuff. And today I'm bringing you an episode with the incredible tub-thumping powerhouse of a comedian, Godfrey. This was recorded live from South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, just a few weeks ago. And we're going to find out about Godfrey and how he has been in the game for the best part of three decades and yet still radiates happiness. He's one of the most mentally robust comics I've ever come across. And... I mean, just there was so much I prepared for this uh, for this interview. And now just in kind of assembling the show notes and um, discovering the enormous wealth of stuff that he has out there. I've listened to a couple of his albums. I've seen him live a few times. I had no idea his YouTube channel was as enormous as it is. Uh, I'm just been, I've just been spending a, a very happy few minutes watching his... Just go, do yourself a favour and Google Godfrey's Richard Pryor impression. He can not only do Pryor, he can do all the different voices that Pryor does, including Pryor's white guy voice. And it is, as one commenter says, um, it is inception level. <laughs> I mean, he's he has got an incredible amount of stuff out there um so follow the show notes you can find his youtube channel his podcast in godfrey we trust you can follow him on twitter and instagram but let's get on with this interview we're going to talk about his phenomenal work ethic which drives this this huge output um we are going to find out why someone this happy needs to do comedy in the first place um and we're also going to learn about the business dimension to comedy that he struggles with and where his confidence can sometimes fail him this without further ado at long last is Godfrey. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your comedy. Yes. Um, I saw you live for like the second or third time last night. You did a short set in Esther's. It was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. Yes. You headlined the show. It was already an extremely high quality show. The yes. curation of the comedy here is fantastic. Yes. And it was a belting show. And then you came on and absolutely destroyed. Uh, that, I think, uh, comes from training in New York City. Um, being from Chicago and tr- doing comedy in New York, and I don't know what cities people are from, but New York is the greatest comedy city ever. Period. You know. Um, when and what, I first, why is that? What makes it great? Is it the amount of stage time? It's the or amount the- of stage time. It's the quality of stage time. It's the quality of comedians. Because, I mean, when I first got there, I was on the same stages as Seinfeld and. Chappelle and Rock and Robin Williams, rest in peace, 
Gilbert Godfrey. I mean, that was just a regular thing. It was me, Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, uh, Robert Kelly, uh, Colin Quinn. That was just the normal rotation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Silverman, all that. It was just the quality of comedy and New York being an international city. You had people from different countries that spoke different languages. So when we would go overseas, it would be easy for us because we meet the people from those countries in New York. Yeah, okay. You understand? And New Yorkers are very like, give us the good shit. You know what I'm saying? And on average, I was doing like 40 shows a week. So I would be on stage five times a night. I just took that in as if that was normal. 40 40 shows a a week. Yeah, we would do like, you do like three to five shows a night. That's about 25. And then the weekend, you'd do like eight each night, like eight shows. Yeah, so it would be like 45 to 50 a week. That was the average I was going. Is there, there's obviously yeah. a tremendous upside to that amount of reps. Do you yeah, mean that's yeah. like oh, training, yeah. comedy, training all situations, all of those kind of things. Yeah. Are there downsides to kind of working that hard? Do you, like whether it, you, whether it's exhaustion or whether, like, is, is it all positive experience or can you overdo it? You, you get burned out, kind of. Sometimes I would literally, like yesterday, I didn't, I went on stage, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to say. <laughs> But there's something about having so much material. You go, oh, yeah, let me try this. Sure. You just go into automatic. Okay, I'm going to do this. And if that don't work, you switch up. They don't know. Yeah. And you saw Emma yeah. and all that. They're all New York comics. Yeah, yeah. And there's a – and I'm not saying that, you know, we're the greatest. We're just the greatest. <laughs> but when you go on stage and you see New York comedy, you know New York comics have been in the room. Because there's just a different edge that we have, you know. I don't, I don't, you know. Some cities, I don't know. Some cities are very like politically correct and bullshit like that. But New Yorkers are like, yeah, just fucking give it to us. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we get offended, we'll let you know. Just go. You know, there's a freedom, and I think with comedy, well, they're trying to police comedy now, which is bullshit. It's not gonna work. You know, which like for example, everybody knows the Chappelle situation. With the whole trans thing, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're not... Okay, like in Minnesota, when Chappelle was... Uh, he did a he did a concert in Minnesota. So the trans community said, yeah, cancel the concert. And so they canceled his first concert. So 15 minutes later, he went to another theater and packed it out. Yeah. Right after that, they packed it out. So you can't what? cancel... Like well, that, I mean, I, I'm definitely on the I'm on the kind we of we are your saviors. <laughs> I'm definitely on the woke side of that argument, right? Oh, okay. But uh, so what what point are you making? You're saying that it's like I agree with you that it's not possible to cancel comedians. No, I think I think comedians really. are making a lot of fuss about being canceled, but actually it's not really a thing. Not really. I mean, people like are pe- people fu- are kind of selling their specials. People are gonna fuck with you, man. Your fans are gonna fuck with you, man. If they if they like you, they like you. And we don't go on stage trying to offend people. I mean, you know what I'm saying? A, my thing is like comedy is a, it's it's pain. It's it's like you get comedy from fucked up situations. Yeah. If you if you if you're a Carlin fan, if you're a Richard Pryor fan, if you're, I mean, from Joan Rivers, who I've worked with, all they come from fucked up situations. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Richard Pryor was raised by prostitutes. You understand where I'm coming from? George Carlin, he had coke problems, shit like that. But it everybody comes from a fucked up. So comedy is. A lot of times from pain. You know what I mean? As a guy like myself that looks like me and there's other guys that look like me, you got racism, you got massacres, race, you got police harassment, you got all that other shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the shit. And if you get offended by it, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. This is my experience. You're mad at my shit? 
you think I'm lying about, you know, and I'm trying to be funny with it. Like I talk, like for example, I talk about I bought a Fiat in New York so police would leave me alone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because a black man in a fucking SUV, that's where they stop you. But a hatchback, no one's fucking with you. You know? You know what I'm saying? But this is my pain that I'm talking about. But I'm not lying about it. It's not me going, oh, white people ain't shit. No, it's like, white people ain't shit. <laughs> but not all of you are, but the ones that I'm talking about, because we sure. talk in general terms in general. So so I've seen people go, oh, you know, if I'm doing, why is it, and one lady asked me, why is it always about race? I go, do you think I wake up wanting racism? You think black people go, man, racism, come on, let's go. Bring it on. No. Why is it always about race? I don't make it about race. The world does. Yeah, for You sure. know, when I'm on an elevator and someone's holding their purse, did I make it about race? Yeah, yeah. You feel where I'm coming yeah, from? Yeah, totally. I totally understand. I don't disagree with any And of that. I still snatch the purse when the lady holds it, but still, because <laughs> they're not that strong. So, <laughs> what made you think holding like this was going to keep me from taking it, bitch? No, it's good. Joke. <laughs> I want to. Well, I want to. One of the things I want to talk about. This is early. This is early uh, comedy. It's very early to be. Oh yeah, for the benefit of the listener, it's too early for this. This is 1 p.m. (laughs) Sorry for making you laugh early. I'm sorry. What I want to talk to you about is the the kind of the interplay that you have on stage that I could see between stuff that I guess is kind of written. It's like a. It's it's a bit. It's a bit where you know where it's going. And you have, and I couldn't tell. It was so seamless. You looked like there was so. There was so much freedom and so much play and silliness in what you were doing. Yes. This stuff about the balloon, you know, very current, the oh. Chinese spy balloon. You know, and I'm not going to ask you necessarily to, re- to repeat the stuff. But, like, clearly there is, like, you know there's the bit about the balloon. And, like, but for you, is it, like, it felt like there's a framework and you probably know what one of the last jokes might be. But you're so free. You're so experienced. It was yes. just an education to watch someone dance so lightly around a subject incorporating everything in the room and, and clearly incorporating stuff that was just coming to you ad hoc. Yeah, it's just, it's um, I was a pre-med psych major in college. Go figure, I'm Nigerian. What do you want me to do? So <laughs> I was, and so it's like the brain is so amazing because when you, whatever you specialize in, you know, you, you, know, you, you get that, that little crease in your brain you know, and I, I think I've have I have a deep indent of comedy. So sometimes I'll I would do I'll be on stage and my brain will go, here. I go, what the fuck? How did I connect all that? That's yeah, what yeah, happens yeah, yeah. when you specialize in something. I think I call it phenomena where, I when you get in a zone, mm-hmm. everything just starts connecting because you've done so much material, you've done so much, you have so much experience. Because I've done a lot of comedy in different countries too, like from Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. To Lithuania, I was in Russia in 2018. I was the first American comic to do an, uh, an English set mm-hmm. in Moscow to 400 Russians with headphones on that didn't know English with an interpreter in a fucking booth. Oh my god! It was the weird. <laughs> that was the weirdest shit ever because the yeah. guy's like, "We don't know English, but we like your comedy." What? And so I'm doing comedy in English, and this dude's in the booth interpreting what I'm doing. I'm like going, yo, what the fuck? He's like, what the fuck? I'm like, and the, and the Russians are like, ah, ha, ha, ha. it was the fuck. With, with how I, much of a delay? Like, it presume, was like, like a, a couple, couple of seconds? But there was a kid in the front who I think knew a little bit of English and his headphones were off of his um, face. So I heard the guy in the booth. So I timed it. So I heard his voice. So I was just timing it for him. I was like this. Yeah. So he's like, so it was, it was like maybe one or two seconds. Okay. I did an hour and a half. 
Oh, my God. Yeah, because I went around Russia, and of course, you know, you've always learned about Russia, from Ivan the Terrible to, right, the Kremlin to Brezhnev. So I already had some Deutschevsky push. I already knew that shit, so I was like, all right. So they loved that. They were like, yeah, how yeah. do you know all of these things? How do you know Pushkin? I, either, I say we were forced to learn the shit. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that it was just one of those things. So all of that experience, yeah. I've even performed in London. And yeah, yeah. Was it Piccadilly Square at Comedy Store? Uh-huh. I've done the store. I've done so. All that information just comes together when you're on stage, and just you just pick from wherever. I want to drill down into that idea of the zone because uh, you were clearly in the zone. Like you yeah, walked on, I, I got in the zone, in the zone a lot. and stayed in the zone. And I think I that's what made it so alive. So what are the components of that? If you wanted to try and break that down technically to express what that is to someone who may never have been in the zone in a in a comedy thing, everyone's been in the in the zone in in what in they like, do. In sports. In yeah, whatever. yeah. So well, what is it in comedy? What? How do you get into it? And and how do you like what what bounces you out of it? And how do you get back in? Well. So I think the zones are created when, like I said, the experience, the stage experience. time. Yeah, because to have to be in the zone, you gotta have, you gotta have experience. You gotta have the material also, mm-hmm. and the confidence. Yeah. When you're the fearlessness of it, because when you first start comedy, I remember first starting comedy, and by the way, I'm old school, so I started in Bernie Max Club in Chicago. So he had an open mic. It was me, Dion Cole, Corey Holcomb, all of us. Hannibal Burris is from Chicago. So we all and Bernie and it was like just un, un unwinding the microphone from with the wire was nerve wracking. Like when you first start, hey, what's up, guys? Sometimes you'd leave the wire around your leg. You're so fucking scared. But after experience doing it over and over, you would just take the mic. You know, you un, everything everything took a thousand times to do right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's the confidence that you have too. Because there's some jokes that I know that are shit, but I do it with such confidence. <laughs> That's from experience going, yo, I got this shitty joke, but wait till I do it. You're gonna, it's going to be amazing. It's, it's from doing the stage time over. It's just fun. And oh, I call it scenario recognition also. Oh, come on. Scenario recognition. See, British like that I shit. Love this. Oh, I, I love like this. I love this. Terminology. Yes, come on. You've invented right. a thing there. It's never come scenario, up in 400 scenari- episodes. Tell me what that like, is. It's like scenario recognition is, it's like in sports when you see um, the playoffs. The, the more experienced team usually ends up winning because okay. they've been to the playoffs a, a bunch of times. Sure. And usually a new team doesn't always win the championship. Okay. But the new, the older guys are like, I've seen this situation before. Mm-hmm. I know what it's like with three seconds left on the clock. I know this shit. The same thing with comedy. There's never an experience. I have, I, I've experienced everything. I've done comedy in front of cancer patients, old people. I've done prisons. I've done... Women's maximum security, men's. Ma- I've done battered wife shelter. Don't know why they brought a male to a battered wife shelter, but I, but I did a battered wife shelter, and I went like this the whole time. They didn't laugh. Just kidding. Listen, I've, I'm fucking with you. It was a joke. I didn't <laughs> say so you better laugh. You think you're fucking around? <laughs> Just joking. What, it's one. It's, it's one p.m. It's, it's one p.m. Girlfriend. <laughs> but no, I've done battered wife shelters. I've done so. I've done. I mean, there's nothing I haven't seen. So when I, so when you see, when you already have that experience in your mind, you go, okay, 
I, I know this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, heckler, I know this situation. Someone, I know, you know what I mean? So is, is there so, any way of fast-tracking that experience? Because obviously that's valuable. You've been going on for decades, yeah. and you've done all of this experience. Yeah. Is there, like, we've seen comics who are much newer who yeah. manage to replicate that kind of confidence. Right. Is there a, is there a fast-track to doing it, or is it just brute force? No. I don't, there's no fast track. And it depends on the person. Some people are kind of a little bit more phenomenal than others. You mm-hmm. see some comedians are just like, you see younger comics like, wow, that person's going to be really good. Like yeah, they yeah. are really mature for that. But I don't give a shit what you say. You have to put the time in. It's like acting. It's no different than acting. You have to put theater work. You have to put the work in. The really good actors are stage trained um, comedy, you can't skip steps. I don't give a fuck, because I was funny as shit when I first got up there. But I sucked. My material was garbage. I didn't have anything to say. But I was funny, but I had to work on it. People think that the Instagram shit's going to help you. No, you'll get recognized faster. Yeah, but the stage time, because you're in a time continuum. You can do a sketch. I know I know. there's some comics that do a sketch where they're, they're, they put their finger in their ass, and they got 10 million views, right? And then they go, yeah, now they're booked at a comedy club. But they're known for putting their finger in their ass. So now people are like, I paid, yeah, I paid $50 and I want to see you do an hour. Yeah, yeah. Now you got to tell jokes. Put your finger in your ass. Okay, now what? Such vivid imagery. Come on, people. Isn't this what you came for? They're like, okay, what else? It's a time. You know what I'm saying? So people get delusional about Instagram, like Instagram. I said, no, you have to show up. That's what I love about comedy. It's the hardest form of entertainment. Name something that's harder. It's comedy. And, but people don't really respect it as much. Okay. You know why, why do you think why? that is? Because this is my theory. Um, because, like, when I watch my friends in New York at, um, that I have a lot of ballet friends, I go watch them. Alvin Ailey. I live down the street from Alvin. So I'll watch Alvin Ailey. And I go, wow. I go to a, a concert. No one's heckling them. Everyone's quiet. Everyone's because they're doing their little, you know, no one's going, yo, jump higher, motherfucker. No one's <laughs> stretch them legs out. Kick it higher. No one's saying shit. Everyone's quiet because it's ballet. I go to opera. I got friends in opera. No one's going, man, you can sing like a motherfucker. No one's saying shit. Everyone's quiet. It's the opera. You know, whether you go to classical music shit, you quiet while wow, they're playing the cello. Let me shut up. You know what I mean? But comedy, for some reason, why? Why? Well, people for what talk, reason? Because I think everybody has a sense of humor. It's natural. Everybody in here makes somebody laugh. The reason why you hang with groups of certain people is because they make you laugh the most. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, everybody has a sense of humor. So I think that everybody thinks they're your equal because they've made sure, people right. laugh in situations. They go, "Well, I'm funny, shit." And they'd be like, "Oh, hey, blah 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 blah." I'm I'm hilarious at the water cooler at work. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So they think it transfers over because when you're a professional making people laugh, you think you're my equal. But they don't. It's like people who think they can box because they have arms. When I went into the ring, I went to Pacquiao's gym in L.A. and Freddie Roach, who's one of the most famous boxing coaches. I went into the ring. I, I wanted to, you know, I want to learn boxing. So from watching Ali and all these guys, I'm thinking I know how to box because, right, I'm doing this shit in the ring. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, isn't that, isn't that how you got? They're like, that's, that's, that's not how it's done. Yeah. So, and, I, and, and I learned that, wow, boxing is a real science. I thought they were just, no, they say you got to punch from your legs. What? 
mm-hmm. punch from your legs. Oh, it's a technique. Oh, you got a twist. It was so many things I didn't know. That's how a lot of people approach comedy in the first place. They're like, oh, you're just up there talking shit. I go, no, we're not. Yeah, we right. make it look like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's so much work and so much thought put. Like, if I, there's like sometimes you can do one joke 7,000 times. And the 7,001 time you finally find the right word for that joke, you know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, oh, shit, I should have said dog instead of cat. Shit, it took me 10 years. It takes that long. But a lot of times people don't really have the respect that comedy deserves. But I also do blame it on the marketing. Okay. I blame it on the marketing because a lot of times when you go to a comedy club, it's always, you know, like, or when you go to an, you know, any, any other kind of art form, the font is always beautiful, right? Welcome to the ballet, right? The opera. New York City. But comedy's like, welcome to comedy. (laughs) It's the comedy house. You know? So people go, look at this font. This font fucking stinks. So it's this goofy (laughs) shit that they market us with. I think it should be, welcome to Laugh Sessions with Godfrey. Could you do You must have tried that. You must have tried tried that in your marketing. And people say, you have such a good point because that's the only thing. But comedy is the hardest form of entertainment. I don't care how, I don't care what anybody says. And if you don't approach it properly, it's going to get you. I can, I can guarantee you that shit because I'm a funny motherfucker and I've seen it and I still look at, I still look at comedy as, wow, it's still such a difficult art form. Yeah, it yeah. really, I never get too big for the art form because mm-hmm. it's always going to punch you down because uh, you're never done. We were You're talking. We were talking about that. Am I making sense? Yeah. Everyone, I hope I'm making sense. You're also frightening a lot of these nice people. Even if I'm not, <laughs> don't give a shit. God damn it. You, you, you. God damn. Fuck you guys. A, a lot <laughs> of the examples. Com- comedy fucking paranoia. Fuck you guys. You don't like me. <laughs> and is that? I wonder if that's part of the flow as well, because there must be moments when you're not flowing. And yeah, you oh, think yeah. to yourself, this isn't working. No. And part of the kind of getting yourself back on the horse, getting yourself back in the zone, must be about like, is there a part of you in the back of your mind if it, if it's not working on one, you know, yeah, some occasion well, when you're going, hey, these guys are wrong? Yeah. When you're experienced, my thing in comedy, just the way the brain works, people remember your ending. You can start off shitty in a, in a like, say you have a half hour comedy to do. Your first 10 minutes suck ass. But the last 20, you murdered. People go, hey, you started off rocky, <laughs> but ha <laughs> ha. The worst is when you start off, oh, yeah, you kill her, and then you end shitty. They go, ooh, what happened? Yeah. For some reason, the brain is trained to go, oh, at the end, he was amazing. So you, if, if you have enough experience, when I, I, I literally, and this is all facts, I have about seven hours of jokes. I could do seven different hours, literally. I can go, okay, I'm going to do that. That didn't work. Okay, that 20 didn't work. Fuck that. I'll do this other 20. But that's from time mm-hmm. you know i can i can switch up my shit anytime that's just experience i couldn't do that at the beginning so this is godfrey as you can hear the um i should probably have said this at the top the um uh, the circumstances of this uh, this podcast recording were different to many we were in the the exhibition hall which as i may have said on the show is a bit like peeping into a rift some 20 years into the future it's an astonishing place to be and it's a very loud place to be and there's a lot of background noise um but as i was saying to charlie who uh, books south by southwest and uh, looks after the books doesn't do it justice looks after and curates the comedy strand um 
that if there was one comic who was able to cope and produce an incredible guest for ComCom in that kind of environment, which was a very walk-by, up-and-running kind of people all over the place kind of thing, uh, then it would be Godfrey. So more from him in just a second. This was a live recording. I think we only did 50 minutes, so no extras, I'm afraid. But you can, of course, go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for extra content from every episode that has it, as well as ad-free episodes and uh, and the, you know, the... the what, what else is there? There's another thing, isn't there? Oh, it's the Slack app. There's basically a sort of workspace app whereby we can congregate and uh, do mysterious things that happen in workspaces. Thank you to uh, everybody who's been getting in touch. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been jumping on the Insiders Club. I realise we've been there's been a big break and it's very exciting to be back. Hope you enjoyed the Tom Horton episode last week. Coming up next week, Michelle Brazier. And I've just... Is Brazier? I'd say Brazier, but I'm pretty sure she says Brazier. Um, fantastic Australian comic who you may know from her brilliant uh, solo shows, one-woman comedy shows, uh, as well as by being the one of the boys in the Auntie Donna uh, sketches and shows and Netflix materials and tours and all the rest of it. I really, I've just come off the back of recording that a few hours ago, and it's an absolutely gold standard episode of ComCom, so I hope you will look forward to that. I'm going to chuck that out next week there. I've committed to it. Um, in this scramble for once in my life to get one ahead rather than hastily recording the blurbs uh, moments before the show goes out. Apologies to producer Nathan uh, for my continuing inability to get ahead of myself. Today this changes and I swear it's so on the podcast. Um, more from Godfrey in just a second. Um, thank you to the people who've been coming to my previews, the, my show Spoilers, which is... Oh, I hadn't mentioned this before. It just got nominated for an award. Spoilers, I'm pleased to announce, got nominated for Best Show at the uh, Leicester Comedy Festival. And the most exciting thing about getting nominated for Best Show at the Leicester Comedy Festival it was with a preview rather than a finished show. So now I'm in the fun position of having to work on the show whilst also not spoil what was good enough about it that the work in progress got nominated so if i later find out you know i'll take out a big chunk of it and go this must radically change and then later i speak to one of the judges from the leicester comedy festival and they go no no that was the bit we liked isn't there just everything to play for um so Yes, so there's previews, loads of previews going on. And basically, I need to work out the right way to connect stuartgoldsmith.com to the link, the Linktree site, which is linktr.ee slash Stuart Goldsmith, in order that there is a one-stop shop where you can find everything. Because I've got some previews coming up. I'll update that in a moment. And I very much hope that you come and see it. I will at some point list the previews. And look, the magic of the pause button enables me to be able to do that instantly now. I've got previews coming up at uh, Top Secret um, at the McHuncliffe Festival. I'm going to be on the Saturday night at 6pm in the school. Um, I'm also going to be at the Bristol Comedy Festival, which I'm partly curating, which is the 14th of May, Sunday the 14th of May in Bristol. We have Spencer Jones, we have Sarah Barron, we have Freya Parker. Um, we have. Why don't I just tell you everyone that's on there? Because that's also in front of me as well. Who do we have at the moment? We have... Um, uh, Marcel Lucon, uh, we have Damon Bamra, we have uh, Stevie Martin, Janine Haruni, Greg Winfield. I've got to do everyone now because I've started, so I've got to do everyone. Louise Lee, we've got Jack Campbell, Bert Williamson, me. Uh, we have uh, Joe Wells, John Luke Roberts, and I, and I think Ignacio Lopez as well. Um, and it, and I've got a cracker of a. a, a a ComCom episode lined up for you with Ignacio. That's coming your way soon. And in the can, I'd forgotten all about. 
can't say I've forgotten about that. I don't mean I've forgotten about that excellent episode. I just I hadn't put that on the list of stuff I've got. So the free gift for me and for you all. And so if you're in Bristol, uh, go to bristolcomedyfest.com and find out a bit more about the Bristol Comedy Festival. That's where one of my whips is. The other ones uh, are I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm going to be in Leicester. I'm going to be at Smoke and Mirrors in Bristol. I'm going to be at Two North Down in London. I'm going to be at Leeds at some point at the Comedy Crate, which is in... I'm going to I never know where the comedy crate is in. Uh, oh, no, I know where it is. It's in Northampton. So I'll be there. I'm going to be in Leamington. I'm going to be in Cardiff, Cheltenham. And I've just put one in in Shoreditch. So uh, please, I will now update all of the things in my link tree and put a link to that from stuartgoldsmith.com. So go there for all your stuff. Jesus Christ, doesn't it? This this sort of ravenous ecosystem. Have you seen the end? Have you seen the opening credits to The Last of Us? That's what it's like being a comic these days, having to try and kind of fulfill, create all your objectives, create all the parameters for where people can find you and then try and bloody fulfill them all. It's um, it's it's busy and fun is what it is. But let's discuss that later. For now, let's get back to Godfrey. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to I want to talk to you about confidence, one of those elements of flow. You're obviously an incredibly confident person. Yes. And you talk, it's funny, lots of the examples that you've made have had kind of physical ramifications they're physical examples i know you're a big gym guy you were yeah. talking about being sore all the time you know I'm sore you, time. he's sore all the time yeah um but you're um i'm i wonder how much of your confidence on stage is tied to your physical confidence you, you know um here's where i don't have confidence the business part because the business is where the bullshit starts you know mm-hmm. On stage, creativity, you can't tell me shit. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, some people are going to like me, some people are not. It's subjective, but I know I'm good at what I do. But when it comes to the business, like, let's say, like, a lot of my friends that are really good, they hate pitching ideas because you got somebody with a clipboard from whatever fucking, you know, Warner Brothers. <laughs> You're like, you got to pitch your little dumb idea. Yeah, I play a karate teacher. <laughs> <laughs> In a Korean restaurant, you know what I mean? They're like, eh, it, it sucks because it's not you're you're giving the power to someone else mm-hmm. to judge you. You go, I just made 400 Russians laugh the other day, bitch. Just fucking pick me, you know? Yeah. That's that's why I love Joe Rogan so much because Rogan has changed the game. You know, just podcasting has changed the game where you don't have to answer to anybody anymore. I mean, Austin is run it like the entertainment is run by comics. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Hinchcliffe, J- J- Rogan, all Rogan just built a brand new comedy club, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Without waiting on people, 
that's kind of what I like about technology now is you don't have to wait on anybody anymore. You can build your own your own um, audience. So, but specifically bringing it back to you and what you mentioned, you struggled with which yeah. aspect of that do you struggle with? Of of the of the business like the part? business the just, kind of DIY just pitching ideas because I hate people. <laughs> and I have to sit in these rooms. We're gonna meet with the executive director. Of, yeah, that's how they. That's the voice of. Ugh. You're gonna meet with the executive director, as producer. But of what? That, that, that. And you go it? in there pitching your idea when you know the shit is nice. You 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 let other comedians read. You're like, yo, this is dope. Then you're fucking nine o'clock in the morning going, well, uh, I just don't see it. The fuck you mean you don't see it? That's what I don't have confidence so in. So what is it? I need to get better at it, but uh, what is it that I, other comics are able? What is it that they have that means they're able to deal with those kind of encounters that um, you're not? Is it is it pride because you've smashed room support so many pride, times? There's just I just um, it's hard for me to be phony. I'm t- it's tough, man. I like being authentic. I like being around real people. I just and that's, could, and that's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of comedians that are like that. Um, Burr is like that. Bill Burr got big off his podcast, Monday Morning Podcast. Bill was another anti-fuck everybody. You see how Bill Burr is. You watch him, he just goes in, you know. But he got big from his Monday Morning Podcast. And it, you know, Mark Marin, who's been a friend of mine, I did his podcast twice. Marin did his, got big. Same way. He was a guy that couldn't do the industry shit. Mm-hmm. But they, the industry came to them. You understand? So it's just about I just like authenticity. I like being around real people. I bear I just went to an event in New York City. Just like one of these, you know, celebrity I went. It was hard for me because I can't I can't I, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It hurts my face to be phony. But do you think but you this know, is hard, just but I, but I know it's part of the business. Just to challenge you on that, I feel like uh, you've got this preconception that in order to receive feedback on an idea you need that like that's tied to being phony right sort of, is, is there not is there not an element of you which could be authentically vulnerable and listen to someone's feedback on your idea given that they might be more I experienced think being than making a stand-up is vulnerable enough like talking to people you don't know and saying hey i got some funny shit that's good enough listen there's stuff on tv and you guys have seen it like how the fuck did this get on yeah yeah so I'm like, hey, and I've been in rooms where, you know, there's certain meetings where I didn't give a fuck. So I go, hey, I noticed those those posters are really shitty shows. Why don't you just pick mine? <laughs> How did that go down? <laughs> yeah, I already, oh, yeah, I, they never talked to me again. But I knew that. But I was like, but these shows suck. Why can't you just pick mine? Yeah. <laughs> That's just being from frustration and shit. Sure. But I didn't care. I was, it depends on the on the meeting. <laughs> so are you... Do you think do you think there's anything to that question though? That idea of like maybe you're resistant to being vulnerable or to or resistant being told to told what to do. Yeah, well, like kinda, well, listen, if, like that's your being told what to do is your term for it. What I'm suggesting is is there a kind of a humility that you struggle with when no, someone? No, I actually don't. A, no, I actually don't. Um, I remember going into <laughs> Comedy Central, right? And I did. I, my first special was a Comedy Central half-hour special, Comedy Central. I did. It, that was when Comedy Central was actually funny. And I did Premium Blend. I did um, um, half-hour special, Comedy Central. I used to do stuff on a, a Comedy Central. One of my first things was was Zach Galifianakis and the Scalar Brothers. Uh, it was called Apartment Two F, and it was awesome. But I remember going in later on to Comedy Central when it was just different. And they called me in, and I was like, 
And I, and the guy is like, hey, what's up? You know, he's one of these dudes. He's like, hey, <laughs> like, hey, what's going on? You know? yeah. He goes, man, we really like your stuff. And I'm telling you, he talked like that. We really like your stuff. I'm like, okay. And I go, well, I'm looking at Comedy Central, and there's a lot of things. I don't know why you picked me. I'm, I think I'm from a different school of comedy. And he goes, what? And I'm sitting with my manager who doesn't believe me that some of these meetings are horrific. And my manager is a little nerdy Irish guy. He goes, he goes, I'm from this, I'm from a different school of comedy. And he goes, well, what school is that? I go, funny motherfuckers. I come from funny motherfuckers. I don't know anything else. I just know how to get on stage and tear the crowd up. That's what I do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And, and I go, and he goes, well, we have, uh, and he's naming people. I go, those aren't stand-up comics. Yeah. Those are, and my 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 manager's like, what the hell are you talking about? They're not funny. He just, I said, I told you, yeah, I told you, yeah, yeah. these are the meetings we go through. I go, funny people, just pick funny people, period. But is it? Are you That's not talking? Are you not talking about two distinct skill sets? Like you're an yeah. expert at one skill set, getting on stage in a room, but tearing can, the roof. I, I'm good at comedy and situational comedies too. Not every, but listen, not every. Stand-up comic can do situational comedy because there's great improv actors mm-hmm. like your Will Ferrells, like the Sherry O'Terry's, like, you know what I'm saying? Tina Fey. They're funny. They're, like, really good at what they do. A lot of them have studied where, being from Chicago, I had a job at Second City mm-hmm. as a bar back. I used, to make, I used to make cappuccinos and wash dishes when I was watching Chris Farley, this dude from Wisconsin who would, like, literally plant his face on tables, which was the funniest shit in the world. I go, who's that fat dude? You know what I mean? But Chris Farley was funny. You know what I mean? David Spade to me. These guys, Sam, these guys were funny. Eddie Mur- these I came from that school. Mm. I don't care if it's situational comedy. I don't care if it's stand I just like funny people. I grew up watching Lucille Ball. I'm sorry. I grew up watching Jackie Gleason, even though this is 1950. I grew up watching funny people, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Martin Lawrence. I just grew up watching funny people. I like funny motherfuckers. I don't care what rate. I just like funny people. You know You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Our sitcoms were way better. All in a family. Are you kidding me? Sanford and Son, Golden Girl, funny shit. That's what I like. I don't like comedies that are just, because sometimes here's what happens, and this is what happens. People will say, wow, I love this type of funny. And I'll go, well, that's not really that funny to me. Remember, comedy's subjective. And then you'll run into people who are really funny and go, well, wow, that was funny. I go, well, that's real comedy because a lot of times they'll put mediocre. Listen, I'm not talking as if I'm the best. I'm just keeping it 100. They'll put people. It's a lot of mediocrity, I think, in comedy. There's a lot. And they force it on people. And the brain is amazing because they'll go, Oh, no, I, I think it's pretty good. Oh, oh. But then when you see real shit, you go, no, this is the real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm, yeah, you know okay. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if in England, I'm sure there's some people who are like, ugh, right? That shit. You know yeah, how you guys for sure. But, but I think there, is, there, are, there are people who are funny people in the room. And not funny people on stage, yeah. and there are people who are really good at writing funny. No, and then that's very true. And then yeah. there's this kind of nexus between. There's like the Venn diagram in the middle. There's people who deserve to be massively successful. Yeah. They're not always the same people not, who oh, are not, massively of course, successful. Of course not. No, I listen. 
I'm just talking from just my perspective. I don't care. Some people may disagree with me, but I just like funny shit. I don't care. So, I don't care if it's alternative. I don't give a damn. Like Zach Galifianakis, these, these are the first alternative people. David Cross, Zach Galifianakis, Sarah. Some, they make me laugh. Yeah, yeah. They're funny. Patton Oswalt. Well, something funny. I really enjoyed about your, your set last night and your other material, I heard yeah. your m- m- most recent special on Spotify. Um, something I really loved is that as well as that kind of really hard, punchy, big punchline comedy, you're really silly. There's like yeah. real gentle silliness in there. That stuff yeah. in your special uh, Regular Black, yes. which is about your Nigerian dad um, bringing you up and kind of always trying to one-up you on all the hardships oh, he suffered as a kid. <laughs> and like the second example is you want to buy these kind of whatever they are, oh, Air, oh, Air they Max were, trainers. Uh, at the time, the Air Jordans, when Michael Jordan was playing for the Bulls, uh, Everybody wanted Air Jordans, and I wasn't really a basketball guy. I was more football and baseball. So, because I grew up around the Cubs Stadium, like I wasn't that far from Wrigley Field, and uh, and so Jordans. Everybody's getting Jordans, and I'm like, I asked my dad. I said, uh, Dad, you know, everybody's getting Jordans. I'd like to get some Jordans. He said, How much do they cost? Uh, <laughs> they were like two hundred dollars. He's like two hundred dollars. Will they let you play? You know, it's like when I was your age, we didn't have feet. You understand? You know, that type of immigrant shit. So, yeah, that was so like that, when, the silliness. Yeah. I really like. Do you see that's like quite a fun dynamic between well, punch, punch, well, punch of, and then well, a silly yeah. idea? I like being silly, too, because a lot of times, too, there's an aesthetic to comedy, too. Like you and me to look totally different. You're this white dude. Da, 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 I'm this black dude. Kind of muscular. So sometimes you got to. How do I how do I interpret my message to these people because yeah. they're already going to have a misconception about you whether you're a heavy set person tall skinny whatever they're going to go what are they going to talk that's the beauty of comedy is people judge you by what you look like which i kind i love that because okay. they go what is he going to talk about and then when you change your voice one man you're doing all kinds of shit you're changing i think like fuck i didn't expect that yeah or when you do trump this is a very good place i'm very happy to be here how the fuck? Yeah, totally. How did that yeah, come yeah, out yeah. of your voice? Why? Because I'm a black guy? You go, yeah. yeah. But that's the beauty of it. But it's just vocal cords. We all have the same vocal cords. But I like that comedy is judged by what you look like. So sometimes I have to do a silly joke, you know, especially if I'm talking about race. I go, let me make, how can I make it silly? It's like George Carlin was good for that. He would do hardcore shit, but there was a charm to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was a mm-hmm. charm to it. So that's that's the beauty of um, actually the art of yeah, comedy. Yeah, right. And it's, so in yeah. terms of what you want to express through your comedy, like what's yeah. most important to you on any given show? Is it getting a standing ovation or is no. it getting your thoughts off your chest? Getting or is my it, what thoughts is it? off my chest. So have you ever have you ever been in like in the pandemic maybe or other times in your life gone without comedy for long enough that you that it's had an effect on you or have you always just like addicted from day one? Yeah, I out of the 52 weeks I probably travel 50 50 of them 48 yeah. to 50. I'm always working. Um, during pandemic we were doing virtual shows. That's how great comedians are. We did. Vir- I was in my underwear in the living room going, you know, it's crazy out there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I still perform. We performed in parking lots. I don't know if anybody ever experienced the COVID shows. Parking lots. Yeah, yeah. We did shit where people were in their cars, and if they laughed, they honked the horns. It was so disgusting. It was like, meh, 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 meh. So if it doesn't sound like a traffic jam, you're bombing. You yeah. feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done those shows. So I did those shows. I never, we never stopped. I never stopped. 
I did lives. I did Instagram lives for two years straight, never missed a day because I didn't know what was happening. I did five to six hour lives till oh five, six in the morning. God. Yeah. To how many like how many people I, are watching over a six hour period? It depend- and is there a moment it when it's like, like the four numbers? Or five thousand. My numbers went up. And remember, there's different time zones. People from London. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. I just woke up. What's going on? It's four in the morning in New York, but it's. I didn't know lives so, could be six hours long. I didn't even know that oh, was a thing. Oh, because there was a point where Instagram gave you four hours straight. Before okay. it was just now it's back to an hour limit, but I would turn it right back on. But yeah. then I remember going four hours straight. I was like, oh, it's still going. I would go four hours straight, just yapping i didn't care who got on i was just that was just my way of surviving and keeping my chops tight you know let's talk about that when you say that's your way of surviving yeah what is it that if you aren't able to gig what is it that you're missing out on in terms of your in terms of your soul in terms of your mental health no i mean maybe you don't maybe you don't know because you're you're gig you gig so much you don't know who you are if you don't got listen man i took seven years of yoga 10 years of martial arts i'm always doing something you know, I, I, it's okay to, like, rest. It's okay. But I'm always, like, writing shit down. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's like I'm always kind of creating. So I never I, – I think the longest I've been off of comedy is maybe two weeks. Maybe, yeah. if that. But, but never, it doesn't <laughs> sound – like, m- most people I could imagine saying that, like, I never stop gigging. Part of me would be going – are you okay? Like, is that healthy no, to do it that? Is but healthy. you seem you like you have a pretty healthy approach to it. Do what you love – I'm like I was a I was gonna go into psychiatry, bro. I don't need to. Comedy would you, would you is not a psych ward. <laughs> it's all everyone's fucking nuts, man. Even the people that come see comedy are crazy. After shows are like, I, I really like all your stuff. They 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 have headshots of you you've never seen. Where the fuck do you get that? Can you just sign? <laughs> I was waiting for like five hours for you. <laughs> Dude, people are crazy that love comedy also. Mm-hmm. So it's a psych ward. It's like, I think I've gone beyond my degree in psychology. That's what I got my degree in psychology. I've gone beyond it because it's just, and then traveling the world to different countries, you're like, what? Like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, this is wonderful shit. But I mean, you, you get tired as a human being, you get tired. But I chose to be a comedian. Nobody forces you to be a comedian. Or an actor. You're a narcissistic piece of shit that looks in the mirror going, shit, I'm cute. I think I can do this. You know what I mean? You do it on your own. That's your own narcissistic choice to become an entertainer. So what, what, like, do you have advice or strategies or kind of ways of thinking that you could pass on for when when it doesn't work? You know, when when comics, comics listening to this, I love talking to someone with such a robust attitude to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, you feel like you seem, you kind of radiate this kind of happiness, satisfaction. I'm I'm angry at a lot of shit. You know, you always go, wow, I'd like to be there. Yeah. Because as as an artist, as anybody here, you always want to grow and do other shit. And particularly when you've been going as long as you have, a lot of those people that you've mentioned once your contemporaries are now stratospheric. Some are are stratosphere. I'm like right under them. Yeah. But you're like, yes, but it, 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 you can't, there's no blueprint, but I know one thing, if you don't, it's like, you're damned if you do now with, you know, social media, you're damned if you, you do, and you're damned if you don't. I tell my friends that are old school, I go, you have to do social media. So I'd rather do and be damned and not do it and be damned. Okay. Because, so, like, if you put up a, a video and it has three views, you're like, damn! 
ah! But you got to, and that's what happened. But I've had some videos that have gone super viral. Mm-hmm. Like I did Steve Harvey just for the fuck of it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to tell you the family feud. Yeah. Number one answer on the board. You know, I was fucking around. That shit went so viral, it got to Steve Harvey. <laughs> and Steve sent me a DM, and I read the DM like, I'm going to kick your ass. You got me fucked up, boy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had a mustache. I kept going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody knows Steve Harvey. And it went super viral. I didn't know, yeah. but it went super viral. I've had... D- was that the first? Was that the first thing you did that no, went super viral? No, what what went viral was some stuff I talked about, like heavy racial stuff. But it went viral. But it went viral during the George Floyd shit. And this is okay. stuff I did before the George Floyd. All of a sudden, all of that came into the forefront, and people were just rotating it. It just, I was like, oh, they were like, dude, did you see your video? It's going viral on TikTok. I was like, what video? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. It you gotta just throw things. At the wall, because there's people that go viral. You go, what? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's consistency. You know what I mean? You just got to be consistent and just believe in your shit. That's, I don't even want to sound corny like that, but it's the truth. Yeah, and it, you you got to just believe and just keep throwing it. I don't give a damn what it is. And like you said, you have to be able. And I yeah. think that's the thing that a lot of people who've been doing comedy 20 years who haven't yeah. taken to social media, they like because they know they can crush it at a gig, the idea of, getting low viewing numbers on something it's and like, kind of failing uh, or being seen to yeah. fail. They're like, they're not prepared to make themselves vulnerable again. Yeah, they, you have to. And, and then also, you got to know the tricks too. Because uh, with Instagram, you got to pay a little money for them to actually expand your viewing ship. Unless something goes viral, then they'll go, oh, this person's doing pretty well. But you got to know the tricks. You got to talk to the tech people. Okay. For the algorithm, there's an algorithm trick. There's all kinds of well, shit. Well, this you know? is something that fascinates me is that one of the things I think that you're so excited uh-huh. about and that a lot of us are is that it feels like there's no gatekeepers because you can create your own audience, yeah, right? Right. Sort right. Of not. But sort of not. Other than because, China, yeah. Well, but there's really <laughs> because the algorithm is kind of a gatekeeper, yes, right? You have to chase the algorithm. You, you have, have to, to chase it. Yep. sacrifice things. You have to make those yep. meetings. So what's the difference between that and the meetings when you're not prepared to kind of Humble yourself in front of the The difference is like you can you can be pissed at home. You know, your numbers aren't going right. This ah, it gives a fuck. It's still you still have the freedom there's to no, recreate. There's no other ego involved. No ego down and on an, you. you have another chance. Let me tell you something. That damn phone, man, that's like everybody has a phone, man. Think about the millions of people that have a phone. Okay, more phones know, than people. Yeah, more right. phones if you than know people. if you know who King Batch is. King Batch, I've done sketches with him. He has like 20, almost 25 million followers. So I met King Batch. King Batch goes, hey, man, I'd love to do a sketch with you. I'm like, great. He comes to New York. He's out of L.A. He's from Toronto. We're in Times Square doing a sketch. People from all around the world go, King Batch, King Batch. He doesn't know who these people are. He's never been to these countries. That's how big he is, Mm -hmm. you know? But that phone, man, that it, you, you can change your life, literally, you could change your life with one fucking video. That's how Burt Kreischer, his life, I've known Burt Kreischer since 97. Burt Kreischer did this joke about the machine yeah, yeah, yeah. in Russia. And he goes, and he's the one that made me do podcasts. I was on Burt Kreischer's podcast. He goes, Godfrey, you got to do a podcast, bro. You got to do a podcast. I was like, all right. And he said, you know how my life changed was when I did that Joke about the machine yeah, yeah, being that's in right. Russia. Totally. 
built millions, million, and he like now he's doing arenas. Yeah, it's yeah. just it. You just gotta stay in it. You know what I mean? You just gotta stay in it. I I I don't know any other trick. You just go stay in it and keep doing what you're doing, but be smart. I think work smarter too, because you can work hard and get nowhere. Give us some examples of working smarter. Working smarter, doing sketches and shit, collaborating with other people. You got to get that. It's like that mentality of old school hip hop, because I'm Wu Tang forever, okay? And I hate mumble rappers, but but you got to kind of embrace. Don't like, you know. You gotta the point about Wu Tang being the collaboration between them is that yeah, what you mean? even Wu Tang yeah. will like or Nas will be like, let me get with these people. You still yeah. gotta embrace the younger shit. So that's what I did. I say, yo, let me get with these cats, and it worked out in my favor mm-hmm. because you got a new demographic, and you know, kids, man, when they like you, it's like, yo, look at this guy, oh, and they, they, they fucking it yeah. spreads, and it's great. So I, you, you gotta get with the times. My my old manager used to say, don't ever piss against the wind. You know what I mean? You don't want it to splatter back in your face. Piss with the wind. So when there's a new wind blowing, go with that shit. You know, but you know, you can still keep your 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 integrity on how you do things, but it's good to actually, you know, fuck with the young kids, you know, what they're what is what, like sometimes there's trends on TikTok. It'll be some dance, right? And you're like, fuck. <laughs> because you feel you gotta do it. <laughs> and then you're like, whoa, I got a hundred thousand. Because they go, oh, this guy is cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you does have it, to. Does it you cost let you go something? You're going to go, all right. <laughs> does it cost you something? Is that a thing where you're like, oh, God. But now that I'm used to it, I'm like, I'm a whore. I don't give a shit. I'm like this. What's up? Yeah. Huh, guys? I go from real prolific shit to, yeah. <laughs> is that the guy that was just talking about they didn't land on the moon, but now he's like, fucking. Yeah, yeah you got you to gotta learn to balance and, you know. So what are your other than your other than your obvious phenomenal comic ability? Yeah. What got you to where you are? If you ignore the actual comedy skill element of it, what are the kind of the superpowers that you've had that got you where you are in your personality? Career? I'm good with people. <laughs> no, I'm really good with people. You are good See, with I'm people. Ta- I don't want you to think I'm some angry. No, I'm just I'm a regular dude, man. I have good. My family's awesome. You know, I have good friends around me, you know, and I'm a pretty normal dude. I'm pretty. I was thinking about this. I'm not. I'm not a weirdo. I'm really. I'm crazy when I want. But I have that in my brain. Like, okay, you're being weird. Mm -hmm. Ladies, I think, you know, when a dude's talking to you. Right. His bottom lips wet. It's weird. (laughs) Hey, ladies. What's up? I'm not that person. I know when I'm being weird. I have like a I have a thing that goes. Okay, that was weird. That was stupid. I have a lot of logic in me. Just having a very logical father and mother. Okay. I got friends. I keep friends that are around me that check you. Yeah. That we're not afraid to go, hey, dude, don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want yes men around me. I don't like that shit. I want, or I want people to go, yeah, yeah, that was dumb. Or what do you wear? I like when I wear the wrong things and my friends go, yo, the fuck? <laughs> you can see your nutsack. What are you doing? No, <laughs> sorry. I so with, that with too early, nutsack? As someone. Scrotum? As, no. Okay. As someone who uh, <laughs> trying to use my thesaurus, <laughs> as someone who, um, uh, as you say, you kind of you've got a robust, mentally healthy kind of outlook. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. happy. You, you know, I have, you, outlet, you, I have outlets. Yeah, yeah. So why reality checks? So why are you a comedian? Because I'm good comedy? at it. Is that it? Is when that I like was in, when I was in college? I went to University of Illinois. Okay, I'm a Big Ten guy, and when you go to college, you become a fake adult. You start expressing yourself a different way, but then you need a care package from your parents. You're back to being a bitch again. But you become, I became, because when I was in college, it was like, 
you're talking about Big Ten College. My cousin's at Michigan. I'm at Illinois. 50,000 students. Only 800 are African American. Mm-hmm. So you get real militant also. You start getting into African American politics and shit like that. You start becoming very. And I, I used to go see Minister Farrakhan in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a Muslim. None of that. But I wanted to see what, you know, because the news would say he hates this. I go, let me go see for myself. I'll watch. Listen, I will watch a Klan member speak. I don't give a shit. I want to know what you're about. I watch him. So I would watch him. And that inspired me listening to Malcolm X. And all, that inspired me to be more vocal. And then I would be really I would do I was holding court in cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm really thinking about doing comedy. I really think I want to do comedy. So we Tommy Davidson. If you know Tommy David, he's from In Living Color, very funny, legendary. He came to my college and did comedy, hung out with him on campus, and that really inspired me. I said, I really want to do comedy. Think, and then we would listen to Richard Pryor in our dorm rooms a lot. Richard Pryor, Carlin, and I said, I think when I get back to Chicago, because I went away for school, I'm going to do comedy because this is where you can actually say to somebody, fuck you, and not get fired. I'm just being honest. You can go, yo, shut the fuck, and not get fired. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go to HR and talk to anybody. You can go, yo, suck my da da da. And so just, it's the freedom. And they'll yelp it, maybe. I'm gonna yelp that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but it's so it's the freedom. I'm just trying to unpick what it's it the is. Freedom. It's the freedom. And the freedom of expression and be that's comedy is the place where you can say what you want, talk about your pain. But you got to remember to make people laugh though, because if you're just preaching, that's not fair to them. So look at this. It's a, a whole medley of people here, right? There's black, white, everything. Now, how am I going to do my clan joke in front of these people? By make, how am I going to make it palatable? Mm-hmm. You understand? And it's great that I can go, I can express my grievances in front of white males and white women and black people and go, yeah, hell yeah. And, but everybody laughs. Yeah. Okay. You know, that's the beauty of the shit. Yeah. Comedy is the most beautiful art form. It is. And when you can get it down... Holy shit. I think the Oscars need to award people who do comedy a little more often because it's fucking difficult. It's very hard. I mean, listen, most comedians can do drama. Michael Keaton was a stand-up comic, guys. Michael Keaton did stand-up first. You got Robin Williams, Whoopi Go. You got a lot of stand-ups. Kevin Pollack, stand-up comic. You know what I mean? A lot of people. Joe Pesci was in comedy first. In Jersey, he was in a comedy team first. You understand? You had your man, um, Laurie, the British guy. who Hugh Laurie. House. Yeah, yeah. Remember House? Yeah. He was a stand-up comic first. Dudley Moore, comedy first. You know, it was like everybody was comedy because comedy has drama. We are angry motherfuckers. Com- comedians are very angry people, but it, we converted into, I'm going to make you guys happy. <laughs> but I want to stab myself. Look at how Robin Williams, look at how he suffered. Sure. Robin Williams, a lot of different people suffered, but yeah, that's why we make, I'm not saying every comic's a great actor, but we can do drama because there's a lot of drama in comedy, you know, so. Thanks, Godfrey. Be- before, we, before we wrap up. I hope up, this was good to you all. <laughs> I don't before we wrap up, I want yes. to ask you, we talked about your, your kind of superpowers, those qualities you Speaking have. Speaking Stanley, I, I met wanna... him three times. How's that? Oh, nice. When he was 89 years old, hung out with him. For three hours in his office by myself, Incredible. my friend used to work with Power Entertainment, and that was just me and Stan Lee. And he goes, <laughs> "So Godfrey, how's comedy?" I'm like, "It's fucking, it was amazing." <laughs> and and also, I want to tell you, Stan Lee 
said he pointed to a poster of Wesley Snipes as Blade. And he goes, Godfrey, I want to tell you that Blade is the reason why Marvel is still around. Yeah, right. By the way, and they haven't made another Blade yet, you son of a bitches. They had eight Hulks, 19 Spider-Mans, and we can't get our only black superhero because he didn't pay his taxes. Listen. Well, let's – Blade, where's your we sword? Up, we got, put it up for collateral. we what? got two minutes left. What I want to ask I is – I to do that on purpose. I, I know. Um, what I want to ask is about what are those elements that you find harder in comedy? What are the things you see other comics doing and you think, I just can't quite crack that? What are the things that are out of your reach? Um, Nothing. Yeah, what an answer. No, there's I I I have I, I've, I've been doing comedy a quarter of a century. You know, I've been doing it that long where I know I like what I do, but I I do when I look at certain comedians I go, "Damn, that's a good fucking joke." Damn, that was good. <laughs> like certain people's take on things cuz yeah. you know, it can be something like, "Okay, like that spy balloon. Who's going to have the best take?" And I'll go, "That was good." Fuck. You know, you 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 yeah. it's like it's like the dunk contest. Everybody in the NBA is good, but they go, yo, you know, when all the athletes go, oh, you know, even though they go, I can dunk. But that it's like that. It's not like I go, oh, I don't got that. No, it's like you go, oh, there's certain moments you go, wow, I wish I had. that." So who who of the newer comics coming up are you most excited about? No one. (laughs) No, no. No, I, Who's dunks? Who's dunks have you seen? Whose takes have you seen recently that you've been like, fuck, they're going to oh, be Oh, I forgot Jordan's last name is Black Kid Jordan. He's fucking funny, man. There's uh, the Barbosa guy's good. There's the Barbosa. He's a little Latin dude. Um, there's um, I don't watch a lot of a lot of because you know what it is. I watch my contemporaries more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because. There's like unknown people that I watch. I go, oh wow, that person's funny. I just don't remember their names. I go, wow, that person's funny. Oh, that she's funny. I just don't. I just know I watch Burr and all these, all my contemporaries because we're, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we're in our primes like in comedy because we got it now. So which which of those, which of your contemporaries who are still alive would you go to for a take on something? Like so the spy balloon happens, and who are you thinking? I want to hear what they've got to say about this. Uh, I would go to. Uh, Bill Burr. I'd go to Norton, Jim Norton. I'd go to um, there's a guy in Keith Robinson. I'd go to um, let's see. And a lot of times I write all my own shit. So yeah, I'd go to the, I'd go to guys like that 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 know how to you know. And then there's guys that are unknown, mm-hmm. girls, women, and men that are unknown that I would go to for Colin Quinn, who's a little. Before I type, but Colin is such a great writer, and uh, yeah, so I'd go to those. But I, I don't go to a lot of people because I feel like my shit is dope, regardless, just to myself. You know what I mean? Me and Chappelle used to work on jokes every once in a while, a long time okay. ago. Okay, what did yeah. you what did you learn from Chappelle? Yeah, Chappelle's just fucking. He's you know he's one of the greatest, man, and um, and he says you can't cancel us. We're the greatest. Comedy is important. <laughs> I can do Chappelle. It's weird because I've been to. He's called me. He's like, what's up, nigga? <laughs> Yo, I'm I'm 10 minutes away from you. We got to talk about some things. <laughs> you know, he's 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 our modern day philosopher, man. He's fantastic. Um, you know, I I just get his freedom and and not letting anybody like tell you what to do. You know what I'm saying? And I've known Chappelle since '97 too. Also, yeah. that's when I met him. So yeah, it's just you once you establish yourself as a comedian, 25 years. You're like, you can't tell me what to do, man. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, you can adjust a little bit. Like, 
even like let's say with the with the LGBTQ, I have friends that are in LGBTQ that are comedians that are trans men. So I ask them questions. I go, what can I say? That's all right. What can I fuck with? That's cool. That's cool. I get I get advice from them. Ask them. I go, hey, what can I talk about? Because a lot of your shit's funny. What can I do? And they go, talk about that, but don't do that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. I want to be able to talk about it because you exist with us. You know, you're like. You know, LGBTQ, I say, it's in a QIA? Yeah, QIA plus. I call it Ligabitakia. (laughs) All my gay friends are like, oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Ligabitakia. So I love them all, but I go, you got to be able to laugh at yourself because you're part of the community. You can't be special interest all of a sudden when it comes to comedy. Because a lot of my gay friends, they shit on each other all the time. So we should be able to all laugh as long as it's coming from a good place because... Why can't I joke with you? You joke on me. I can. All my, a lot of my gay friends will say, oh, my God, the vagina. Have you seen it? Gross. I go, no, it's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, and, I, and I have a joke where I go, I say, I guess if you're gay when you're born, you don't want to touch the walls when you're coming out. Oh, my God. Oh, wah. <laughs> you know, and, and my gay friends go, that's fucking funny. You know, you, I, I, I ask questions first because comedy is about information. It's about yeah. information think, and being well-informed so you go, okay, I know where the guide this, where you can laugh, where I'm not coming from some bad... Well, you know, I you're think, homophobic. I, I think your propensity shit. to ask questions first is really important. Very because important. I, think, I always I, ask. We see comics who don't ask questions no, first. No, I ask questions. I don't like to hide behind, it's just comedy, man. You got to come with some responsibility, too. You got to be responsible, too. And then, listen, sometimes people, even if you are responsible, people will still go, I was offended. I'm not in the mood for that. It's a new hobby, too, to be offended. I, I, I've talked about dogs, and people after the show go, hey, I have a dog. And what you said, I go, bitch, I got one. The fuck are you talking about? You're not the only one with a dog. Your dog doesn't know this is happening. <laughs> So that was Godfrey. Thank you to him for coming on the show. A very, very enjoyable uh, conversation with uh, a very uh, exciting and upbeat man and a very, very funny comic. I mean, I can't, you know what he was saying about New York comics being of a different breed. Really, I didn't see anything to dissuade me of that at South By in, in, a, in a festival full of extraordinary comic ability. Godfrey is just one of those. He, do you know what? If you're, if you're coming at this from a purely British perspective, he is a bit like Terry Alderton in that he will follow anyone. Do you know what I mean? He will follow absolutely anyone. Most famous comic in the world. You go, yeah, Godfrey, you'll go on after. He'll be like, yeah, sure. He's just a destroyer. So seek him out wherever you can. And um, thank you once again to him for coming on. Thanks to Charlie for your skillful curation of the festival and for setting me an awful challenge to uh, drink some Arby's curly fry flavoured vodka, apparently upon which my return to the festival is now conditional. Sweet Christ. Um, Thanks to everyone who recorded that one. Some, oh, I can't remember your, oh, uh, uh, Fatima was one of you at the sound desk at uh, at South by Southwest, but I'm sure you won't ever get around to hearing this because you were very busy with a million projects. Um, But thank you to Rob Smouton for the music 
and uh, loads of love to Moz, a ComCom logger, who did this episode, I believe, uh, who did in fact do this episode and um, and is now uh, hospitalised. So we at ComCom Towers, brackets, it's a seller, um, send all our love to you, Moz, and uh, I hope you are doing well and coping, and I'm sure I speak uh, on behalf of all of the ComCom community, um, that someone uh, like yourself, uh, not to mention the Infinite Sofa people, um, someone like yourself is sort of a very cherished and valued member of that community, and we send you all of our love. So that is that I managed to do that on one breath as well, which makes it sound like I didn't mean it, but I did mean it. Another breath, and there we go. Let's. Um, I'll post Amble at you shortly, and uh, and for now, goodbye. Michelle next week, and then we've got Ignacio. We've got all the rest of the South by Ones. God, James Adomian, Emma Wilman, um, Steve Agee. That should probably come out next week as well. Having had um, a sort of a, a barren ComCom wasteland for two months while I was getting other things in order, uh, I now have a surfeit of riches, and ideally my release schedule would be that they all go out on the same day, and then I don't need to worry about some internalised and completely made up thing whereby pe- I worry that people are like, why hasn't he put my one out yet? Um, and it gives me lots of stress. But in keeping with the new me and the new sense of here's a th- oh, this is all for the post amble, right? New me, that's the starting point. If you're not sticking around for that, bye for now. Christ on a bike. Or as my son says, cripes on a bike. Right, new me. This is the post-amble now. So um, one of the things that... Look, shall I try and do them on alternate weeks? Shall I try and do ones where I explicitly talk about the ADHD diagnosis on alternate weeks so that you can opt out? Or shall I just try and make it succinct? That's going to be hard. Um, I keep noticing things. Obviously, you keep noticing when someone goes, oh, you've been like this the whole time, even if it's just that you're left handed and you didn't realise. Obviously, there are some rippling things going on. And one of them has been that I am starting to try to take ownership of the fact that my memory's fucked and that it's all over the place. Like with the previews I've been doing. Did I mention this? I've been doing previews. I did mention all of this and talked about it in depth, so I'll skip through it. Um, I've been doing previews now using a clicker and going through a script on a keynote. Not like a script script, but bullet points, rather than try and write down 80 bullet points on the back of my hand. I've been trying to go, no, no, I've got ADHD. I'm entitled to, <laughs> I mean, in this case specifically, a laptop. So, um, so uh, I've been trying to do that and be a bit more collected. And I've also trying been trying to say, and God knows how to phrase this, if I could boil this down to six words, hey, great to meet you, new friend. Uh, I struggle with uh, names and I am accepting and owning the fact that I struggle with names and not thinking that it must be because I'm a narcissist who doesn't pay attention to anyone other than themselves. Um, I am likely to forget your name. So please, next time we meet, can you remind me of your name and some salient fact about what we are talking about? Because I do and will have a core memory of you and the things I think about you, possibly not the specifics of what we talked about, but a sort of general sense of I like this person and they're interested in this. I want to boil that down to six words so I can, and also it needs to include and look I know probably everyone you're meeting in comedy has ADHD but I also think it's valid <laughs> that some of us do and that it does we could modulate our behavior slightly accordingly and I refuse to be ashamed about it because I've been ashamed about it and ashamed about my memory and my inability to be tethered to conversations as well as time and events and everything else forever and I'm not going to be anymore 
Um, so if someone could boil that down into six words, <laughs> me brain special. <laughs> I don't know. God, I don't know what. But anyway, I've said, as you will have noticed, you know, like looking back over this, if you're I should I should put here's a fun idea. Why don't I release ComCom episode zero? And for anyone that wants to be a ComCompletist, rather than go through the journey from episode one where you discover along with me what was the best way around do you want to if you're new to this and you want to become a i mean it's no point asking you because if you're listening to this one then you you've already made your decision if you were a comcom completist or intended to be and you thought i like this show this one episode i've heard i'm going to go back to the beginning and look very few of you do it because it requires a herculean like a heroic amount of sort of focus and free time but maybe you drive a truck i don't know would it benefit you or would it spoil it to have episode zero where I said, hey, here are the things to look out for as you become a ComCom completist. You will notice me gradually begin the I mean, I don't think I started doing the post ambles for a few years, but uh, over the course of the next 10 years worth of episodes, you will hear me discover that I have ADHD. And if you know that in advance, it might be quite fun because you can diagnose me yourself eight years ago. <laughs> you know I mean, when I'm clearly waffling on about something and losing my place and feeling bad about it, you can go, ah, ha, ha, I know where this is going. Also, spoiler alert, I marry her and have two children and they're brilliant. <laughs> um, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Would it? Ah, might ruin everything. Um, so other things to talk about include how jealous I am not to be in Melbourne at the moment. As I said, I've just interviewed Michelle Brazier. She's just opening a new show in three nights, I think. And um, I'm feeling very I'm feeling like the, when I interview younger acts, not necessarily newer acts, just young and, and newer acts. I've started to get a real sense of like, oh, my God, people now, you know, in that way, that's delicious that I love. And I, I often cut out, but sometimes leave in when people go, hey, I'm a student of ComCom and I'm so thrilled. Like Tom was bless him. Tom Horton did a lovely social post where he said, oh, now I know I'm a real comic. This was on my list sort of thing. Obviously, love that. Don't want to wallow in it. Sometimes cut it out. Increasingly these days, leave it in. Keep an old man happy. But um, another thing that is parallel to that is that. More, and of course, is necessary, necessarily as that would happen. So this would happen. It's happening more and more that people talk about their lineage, their kind of, I mean, that's my term, their pedigree or the people who inspired them along the way. And to me, those people seem like the new kids. So there'll be a brilliant act with multiple hours behind them who said, I think this is from the Michelle episode. She's, she's, you know, she's done sketch shows. She's on her third solo hour. And she says, oh, well, you know, I came up with so-and-so. And I'm thinking, oh, you were inspired by them? They're the new, new, new kids. So, of course, that's happening more and more. That's how time works. But it is, it's quite fun. And the, the key thing, what made me think of it was, um, was that I feel really, um, I feel out of the loop. I feel out of the loop. There are so many new, exciting people out there doing things. And I suppose that hunger to be in the loop is what drives a lot of the the fringe and the festival experience, isn't it? Because all of your kind of warty old <laughs> critics and reviewers and promoters and people who've been in the game 20 years plus, we all feel like, um, and comics, we all feel like uh, we want to be, no, those comics of us who want to be Billy Fringe Guy, um, we all feel like, oh, I'm out of the loop. And that probably drives the fetishization of new stuff that arguably ruins the comedy industry so there we go draw a little bow around that that's some sort of point i don't know, make a blog out of that i won't get around to it um yeah 
You know what I mean? You know what I mean, right? That's like, I'm desperate to see, like, I really want to go to Edinburgh this time. I've got two weeks at the, t- uh, the first two weeks, my family won't be there. Week one, bed the show in, do every possible spot I can, hope to s- start convincing a crowd to come and see my earnest heart on my sleeve. Funny, but occasionally terrifying climate crisis show. Um, and then um, the... The second and then so the second week then is going to be madly go around seeing stuff, collecting, doing my what I think of as my Edinburgh Panini album. I'm like, got, 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 got. Can't prioritise all of these friends because need, 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 need. I've got to go see all these shows so that I can interview them later on in the year. And um, and then the second two weeks, the final two weeks, I've sort of mentally gone. I'm just going to do my show and take my kids to the circus and hang out with their massive collection of street performing uh, uncles and aunts and uh, non-binary that role what is that is there a t- non-binary aunt and uncle role anyway the point is loads of street performers who i wish to uh, sneakily have my kids brought up by whilst we all hang out in the street talking bollocks and watching the public go by oh god i can't wait but the point is i only really get one week to focus on running around like a mad bastard seeing all the new people and the new new people not even new people but like um just people who've got three hours under their belt now who've kind of snuck up on me and who are exciting so at some point there will be a big call out to recommend people not yourself on the um on the facebook comcom group but i really need my ear to the ground you know oh man I'm, i think i think <laughs> is this what you humans call excitement i think i've i think i've got a pre-fringe tickle on i've got a real kind of oh man i'm gonna get there i'm gonna see so much stuff i'm gonna burst into tears on day three yeah can't wait can't bloody wait right that'll do me that'll do me i've got i'm gonna try and get one ahead i'm gonna i'm gonna record the michelle brazier blurbs now and then start getting ready to chuck oh god i've still got john hastings returns that's another banger maybe that one can come next or maybe it's i'll do the south by ones you don't need to hear this Don't look at me.